0: So uh, I'm going to shift gears here into North Carolina. By the way, uh, North Carolina politics, uh, completely unrelated. Would you like a casino? Would you like a casino? I can give you a casino. Maybe. I know you may like inflation to come down or something like that, uh, but can I interest you in a casino instead? No? No. All right, apparently these are sweeteners. Actually, you know what? Hang on a second. I do have this. Do you want to do this now, Bernie? We can do this now. Sure, I sure, will give it away right now. I have a copy of a book called The Woking Dead by A.J. Rice with a forward by Jason Matera. Subtitle is called How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. Um. Donald J. Trump was the vaccine America needed. He fought for America against the deep state and the woke maniacs relentlessly destroying everything Americans love. Rice understood the importance of Trump and why America needed him. This explains why many of Trump's closest advisors have sought out A.J. Rice's media advice and publicity help. If he wasn't helping you today, chances are he will tomorrow. This is from the back of the cover here. It's called The Woking Dead. If you would like the copy that I have in my hands... You can call 704 570 1110 or 1 800 WBT 1110. And uh, you can, oh, hang on a second. Let me do that. Um, and uh, and then you can, uh, what do you want to say? Uh, second call? Third, third, we'll do third. Third caller. Third caller will get this book. It's totally free to you, but you got to come pick it up. I'm not mailing this thing, I ain't paying for that postage. Uh, yeah, so you can uh, so you can get the copy. Just swing on by the station and pick it up. Uh, third caller right now at 704 570 1110 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, and uh, would you like a casino? I can throw in a casino, maybe just to sweeten the pot a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I'm not giving away casinos. But if you're interested. um, All right, so I went over this in-depth yesterday. And, uh, I mean, you know me. I don't ever, like, encourage people to call their legislators. And I, I, I'm, I, I don't it's the lowercase L libertarian in me you know I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, right even to the point where when people uh, are hanging out at my house or something uh, revisiting whatever and then they're leaving and I'll say, okay, drive safe and then I always say something like or not I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life you know like, that's that's me I I' I'm not, I'm not trying to project onto you any kind of rules and that kind of thing you're an adult you can live by your own uh, you know uh, your own your own decisions. Now that being said, I have ideas about what rules are probably best, but I'm not going to I'm not going to force you to do stuff. So anyway, um yesterday we were talking about the North Carolina budget that is what 2 months overdue. And apparently it's been long overdue because of gambling. Because apparently Phil Berger, the leader of the state Senate arguably the most powerfulest man in state politics uh, that he has been kind of putting the screws to the Republicans to get them to agree to create four new casinos in the state. One of which would be in his home County of Rockingham County. And he had whipped all of the votes in the Senate. So he had all of the Republicans in the Senate on board, but he, could not control the House. So he, you know, obviously he's in budget negotiations with Tim Moore, the Speaker of the House. But Tim Moore has way more people in the House. There's 120 members of the House. Do we have our winner? Who is it? Paul. Paul is the winner. Paul got the book. Congratulations, Paul. I mean, I say that, but he's the person that gets whatever is robbed from me. I don't understand how that works all the time, but that's what I've been told. I digress. So it appears that the, uh, the budget hinged on the expansion of gambling for casinos and video lottery terminals or VLTs that would be at ABC stores at convenience stores, anywhere the lottery is sold, all sorts of stuff. And, um, This was not okay with a lot of Republicans. Um, And so they did not have a veto-proof majority in the House. And what does that mean? Well, it means that Governor Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, he could veto the budget. It goes back to the Senate and the House, and then they're going to have to make changes to send it back to the governor. If they know that they cannot override the veto, then they they have to do something. they got to make changes so as to get enough support. And initially, the plan was, we're going to throw, we being the Republican leadership, mainly Phil Berger, was going to take the casino, the gambling element, stuff it into the budget, along with Medicaid expansion. Because remember, months ago, Republicans said, we're going to expand Medicaid. And conservatives who had been arguing against this for a decade were like, what the hell are you doing? We got thrown under the bus. We, have, we got betrayed. Conservatives who have been arguing against Medicaid expansion. North Carolina was one of the, the final holdouts that didn't take all of that sweet, sweet federal money that was promised under Obamacare. And they kept throwing more and more carrots at us to make us do it. And finally... The Republican leadership did it. And when conservatives and libertarians, limited government people, spoke out against it, they were attacked by the true conservatives, the true Republicans, who explained, actually, growing government programs is a really conservative thing to do. This is where people are on the issue. It's, it's a political winner, and you don't know what you're doing. You don't know anything about getting stuff done and mainly their their main argument was that if we can do this multi-billion dollar expansion of government um, and, and have it you know more in the lives of uh, every uh, individual North Carolinian we if we do that well we can get some conservative reforms in exchange see we can cram in uh, expansion of school vouchers right opportunity scholarships for example we can get a certificate of need, uh, hospital reforms, which is a monopoly system that GovCo operates to the benefit of hospitals, where the the like monopolies get to dictate essentially whether or not services uh, get uh, uh, offered in various parts of the state. Uh, the The classic example was uh, there was a, a facility that was proposed on the county line uh, out west, uh, Henderson County and Buncombe County, which is where Asheville is, and it was uh, like a it was to do endoscopies, right? And they hold a public hearing. GovCo is holding a public hearing, and they get randos from, from the neighborhood that just show up, and they're like, I don't think we need this service. Oh, okay. And your expertise in this field is what now? Oh, none. Mm, okay. They denied it, by the way, um, because like we don't believe that there's enough demand for this kind of competition. That's, that's, in a nutshell, what Certificate of Need does. It puts bureaucrats and uh, existing actors, the big uh, uh, health care providers, they get to determine whether there's a demand for a competitor to come into the market and whether or not they have to offer certain uh, treatments and services and, and uh, whatnot for various parts of the state. Anyway, we were promised that that's why they had to put Medicaid expansion in there and the best case really the best explanation was that the hospitals would not have gone along cuz they wanted medicaid expansion they really wanted it and so that's the trade off we got we'll we'll go ahead and let you start billing for all the medicaid expansion patients we'll let you tap into that sweet sweet federal money in exchange we're going to make a couple of uh, changes on the con laws on the certificate of need laws that's what they told us but then what we saw over the last 2 days was the gambling provision stuffed into the budget, and remember, Medicaid got stuffed into the budget in order to induce the governor signing it, not vetoing the budget. So, you, so they piled Medicaid in there with all the Republican conservative reforms to CON and the like, school vouchers. But then they stuffed in casinos. And then when there was such backlash, what did they do? They pulled casinos out and they paired it with Medicaid expansion. Which tells me that the Medicaid expansion argument that they were making months ago, that wasn't true. My bet, my bet is that that was in the works back then. They were laying the foundation for the casino, for the gambling components. And they wanted to line everything up to get everybody on board. The budget's going to go through. Oh, and then here's some casino stuff stuffed in at the very end. But we want Medicaid expansion so bad. And when you saw Democrats... And House Freedom Caucus members, Republicans, stand together and say, no, we're not going to go along with this. The deal collapsed last night. And now we're going to get just a budget with Medicaid expansion. I'm not happy about that either, but that's what we're going to see. All right. You may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while. And it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All right, so let me do this real quick. This was uh, kind of interesting. There's a Democrat from Wake County named Terrence Everett, and he's very online on Twitter. And he jumped all over State Senator Paul Lowe, who is uh, also a Democrat. He's from Forsyth County. Paul Lowe, though, uh, has a bit of a reputation as voting against Democrats on some stuff. Uh, He's an older uh, black democrat but kind of conservative and so he votes the way he wants to vote he doesn't care <laughs> what you have to say about stuff he wants to vote a certain way on something he's going to do it and so he had not signed on to the letter that the democrats in the senate had crafted in opposition to the casino deal and the medicaid expansion deal he he didn't sign on to the letter fast enough terrence everett took a shot at him on twitter saying, it's great to see my Senate Democratic colleagues, with the exception of Paul Lowe, standing together against this cruel display of greed and corruption. And he tags Paul Lowe on it. So, Alex Baltzigar at uh, Carolina Journal, uh, he has a story here that it seems Senator Lowe was not very happy with Everett's tweet, so he walks over to Everett's office and says, where's Representative Terrence? He then tells his legislative assistant, Tell him to meet me in my office. We need to have a conversation. Everett was in the restroom at the time. When he gets out, his legislative aide tells him what happened. So Everett goes back to his office and uh, moves to his legislative assistant's office. And after a few minutes, he closes that door. But at the same time, Lowe heads back over. Lowe checks Everett's office. He isn't there. Lowe knocks on the door to Everett's assistant's office, where Everett appeared to be hiding. Everett doesn't immediately answer. Lowe opens the door to find Everett sitting there and tries to talk with him, and it appears that it did not go well. And then he's got a video here, but I don't want to play here. Let me see. Uh, I don't want to play it here because I don't know if there's any cussing going on. But uh, I mean, you can hear them from across the. Oh, oh yeah, he's oh he's yelling at him. Oh yeah, you can hear him from across the uh, from across the. The center. Have you ever been into the legislative building? It's like a big square. They got these big open areas. It echoes a lot, and you could see him all the way across the the way there. <laughs> He's like pointing at him and yelling, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh
1: my goodness!"
0: Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply, food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out?
1: Well, I got family back in Rockin' I don't get back there and love my friends But when I'm there, you know that's where I am Rockin' Helm, Rockin' take me back to Rockingham. I wanna go with you, my friend, to Rockin' Twenty-seven miles from Hamlet The chicken plant is haunted as hell the carbon tunnel in the a touch a salmonella. It's worse than a prison cell. Nine to nine miles rebootquake arena. Knew were dirty her up there. She turned a trick or two for a barbecue sandwich. And tickets to the county fair. Rockin' ham, ham. Take me back to Rockin' Ham. I wanna go with you, my friend, to Rockin'.
0: I have no idea what this is. It says, by request, from Greg. I had never heard this song. Rockingham,
1: Rockingham, tell me thanks to Rockingham. Well, I got family back in Rockingham. Down by the quarry and the river down. My cousin's a stripper, commuting down to
0: Fayette Nam. Say it, Nam. They said it. Well, I
1: got a trailer back in Rockingham. With waterwalk carpet and a ceiling fan. The 37th
0: okay uh that is the alternative champs in their album welcome to fort awesome uh i've never <laughs> i've never heard of this band before but it was a it was a long distance well maybe not so long distance dedication from greg who said pete if you're going to talk about uh, Burger and uh, Rockingham and the casinos, you need to play this song. So there you go. Going back to Rockingham. And they literally say the Fayette Nam. That's awesome. Um, I thought I already did the... Uh, I already did the... Yeah, okay. All right. Um, All right, so hang on a second. The GOP leaders of North Carolina General Assembly announced last night that they had reached a deal on the long-delayed state budget, which is about $30 billion a year. The compromise budget will not include casino legislation, the subject of a months-long controversy between the chambers that appeared to derail negotiations last week and continue to be a sticking point up until yesterday afternoon. Um, I got a message, by the way, after the show that, uh, this came from Anne, Anne Marie. Yeah. Anne Marie. I have, uh, I have to stop listening to you, Pete. Wait, what? I have to stop listening to you. Your show today made me email every North Carolina Republican house representative. And I called every North Carolina Republican Senator. I got about 10 positive email responses from Republican representatives. The phone calls to the Senate Republicans were not as receptive and wanting to know if I was in their district, I tried to make a difference, she said. Um and but look, I think maybe it uh maybe it did work because by the evening it was it, it was dead. It was dead. Um now I will say the the legislative aides, the people that were or the legislative assistants, the people that work for these uh, senators and representatives, uh, they're usually really, really good people. Uh, they don't get paid a lot of money, and so uh, you don't want to be yelling at them. Um, and the reason they ask for your whether you live in the district or not is because they keep they literally keep track of this stuff. They do. And so when you make a phone call, and this is true up in D.C. as well, they track what constituents are calling to complain about or support. They keep little tallies of this stuff. And it's a way, not that, it, not that it will always determine how a member votes on something, but it is a way to track sentiment. Because they can't put polls out, you know, to gauge interest and know what people are saying about every single issue all the time. And so if something is important enough for folks to call, or here's the big one, a handwritten letter you write a handwritten letter to a legislator, like that's persuasive. That means somebody. I mean, think about that. Somebody sat down, took the time to like first off find some stationery, find a writing implement. I don't even know if they make them anymore, and uh, and then write the letter. Figure out how you close the envelope. That is a that's an art form lost to time, and uh, and then to get it somehow to the lawmaker's office. Like I don't I'm not even sure how that happens. I, I guess like you maybe take it in the envelope and you feed it into the computer, there's a slot there. And sometimes there'll be a button and then like a tray will open up and it doubles as a cup holder. But you can also put the envelope in there, I think, and then it and it goes back into the PC and then that I think that electronically delivers it to the lawmaker's office. They call it email. I think that's how that works. You write a letter that matters more than the e-blast because they know they see what happens. They, they're aware of the coordinated campaigns that uh, these, you know, nonprofit and get out the vote uh, organizations do, you know, here's a template and just plug in, you know, your Senator's name and, and then copy and paste it and send it over to them. And they see that they see all the same copies coming in and that has less of an impact than a handwritten note from someone who actually sat down, took the time, collected their thoughts, and then obviously figured out how to get the, uh, the piece of paper into that lawmaker's office. Medicaid expansion is now back to being tied to the budget. That was their original deal. Republicans made that deal with Roy Cooper at the beginning of all of this. They said that they were going to tie Medicaid expansion to the budget. They then tried to change that over the last few days, when it became apparent that they were not going to be able to get enough support in the House to override a gubernatorial veto, because Democrats and what are being described as, quote, hardline Republicans signed on to that. Once again, what does hardline Republican mean? What is a hardline Republican? And is there such a thing as a hardline Democrat? Why would the hardline Republicans be lined up with the Non-hardline or soft line Democrats, is that what they would be? Or dinos? Are they Democrats in name only? Or are they moderates? Is that the deal? Phil Berger, Tim Moore, and other GOP lawmakers first began talking about potentially expanding casinos beyond tribal lands in June. They cited a Caesars Resort Casino currently under construction, just across the state line in Danville, Virginia as a strong incentive for North Carolina to consider opening more cons- more casinos of its own to keep casino goers and the revenue and tax dollars they would generate in state. Look, that's fine. If you want to have that debate, have the debate. But don't don't cram it into the budget. Play hide the ball from every uh, from uh, with everybody for 2 months, 3 months, line up all the stuff behind the scenes and then try to twist arms and leverage it against the Medicaid expansion and everything else in the budget that, oh, by the way, you're two months late on approving. Um, Wait a minute. That band? They are the church band on Righteous Gemstones? The band that did the the Rockingham, they're the they're a church band on right Gemstones. I don't know what that means. R I G H C H U S. Oh, that's a show. It's a show. And it's misspelt. Righteous is misspelled. It's righteous. righteous Gemstones. Okay. Well, thank you, Bernie. Yeah. See, I knew I kept them around for some reason. Uh <laughs> Dan says, Pete, a U.S. House member friend once told me that for every one email or note that they receive, their pollsters tell them that at least 100-plus other voters feel the same way. Interesting, huh? That, that makes sense. I say the same thing, and this is true in, in radio uh, as well. The vast majority of people, 99% of the people that listen to radio stations and, and shows like this will never call. Most people will never call a radio station to to get on the air and comment and discuss or debate or anything. The vast majority do not. Um, about single-digit percentage. That's how many people will actually get on the air, call in to get on the air. So I believe it. One note is equal to 100 voters. Here's another thing. People ask about um, yard signs. Actually, it was the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore. He told me this years ago. Um, when you see yard signs, do you automatically think that that is indicative of a candidate's support? Here's the key. Is the yard sign on someone's property or is it in the right-of-way along a road? Because if you if it's just on public property like along some highway or something or like a corner, that's nothing. That's that that that's their campaign putting that stuff out. Now, if you see a yard sign or you see a lot of yard signs, in people's front yards, that means they went out and got a yard sign and put it in their yard, and they are taking a public stance in support of a candidate. That is way more indicative. So there you go. It's another little rule uh, of thumb. I don't know, and I don't know why they call it rules of thumb. Um, I just saw this come down. There is a, This is from the Calvin Coolidge Project report Lynn Wood You remember Lynn Wood one of Donald Trump's attorneys right wasn't he? he's like a long time democrat and he like got hooked up with the Trump campaign and and then he started like saying all sorts of crazy conspiracy theory stuff and I'm like he, I mean, he got he went so far off the deep end people were like this guy is kind of nuts right well apparently The report is that he has now flipped against Trump and the other 18 co-defendants in the Georgia-RICO case, and he is cooperating with prosecutors. So uh, there's that. Um, WRAL News learned that Rocky Mount and Nash County leaders were actually briefed on the plans for a proposed casino in Rocky Mount. And they signed non-disclosure agreements. And they did this months before the proposal became public knowledge. As early as last fall, actually, a year ago, leaders at both the city and county level were told about a possible casino coming to a site in Rocky Mount and then signed NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, about the project. The Carolinas Gateway Partnership leads economic development for Rocky Mount And this partnership vice president of special projects named Norris Tolson said, quote, over the last six to nine months, all seven members of the Rocky Mount City Council were briefed on the casino project and are under NDAs. In an August public meeting, Nash County Commission Chair Robbie Davis also said he was briefed on the casino back in January and signed an NDA as well. The proposal for a casino in Rocky Mount did not become public knowledge until late July. City council members have never signed NDAs as a group for any past projects. I suspect we're going to find out a lot more about how this deal got crafted. And I suspect it's not going to sound any better. Somebody who will sound better than what you've just been listening to. Brett Winnable is up next. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.